Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. Today's episode is a conversation with Mara Branscombe. Mara is the author of a new book, Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care. She's passionate about weaving together the art of mindfulness, self-care, creativity, mind-body practices, and earth-based rituals into her life and her work. Obviously, Mara and I have a lot of overlap in the elements that interest us in meditation practice, in creativity, in working with the elements in the greater world. This was a really fun conversation and a really important one as we spend a lot of time diving into what ritual is, how we incorporate it into our everyday lives, and the way that our self-care practices, our home-based practices, might morph, flex, and flow with the change of the seasons. We talk a lot about why Mara chose the Wheel of the Year and elemental symbolism as the framework for her book. She guides us through five steps to beginning a daily ritual. And we talk about what it means to be both mystic and modern. How do we navigate our everyday busy lives with this idea of daily ritual? This was such an enjoyable conversation. I loved Mara's approach to practice. And at the end of the interview, she leads us through a little mini practice that comes from her book. So I hope you guys will listen all the way to the end. There's a great practice to do. Let's listen in. Well, Mara, welcome to the Mindful Minute. Thank you so much for chatting today. Thank you for having me, Meryl. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to talk with you. And I want to start, if it's okay, I'm going to read one sentence out of your introduction from your new book, Ritual as Remedy. And I'm reading it because when I read it, it really jumped out at me. There were threads that felt so similar in my own experience. And I'm so interested to hear about that experience from your perspective. And so you write, personally, the deepening of the years of training in various mind-body practices, meditation, yoga, breathing techniques, pagan moon rituals, shamanic ceremonies, various forms of dance, studying philosophical, historical, and spiritual practices of traditions around the world, cultivated a lasting imprint inside me, an embodiment that I could no longer ignore. And I wonder if maybe we could start just by having you tell us a little bit about your background, about these practices that you've explored and how you came to start weaving them together. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, inside of me has always been a hunger or a thirst or a desire to learn more uh, about other cultures, even from when I was a, a young child, 
you know, National Geographic came to our, in our mailbox <laughs> once a month, which is a magazine that, you know, uh, if you know it or don't know it, it's, it's, you know, highlighting cultures from all around the world. And so I was raised in a very conservative, middle-class, you know, family home, wonderful parents and siblings. And yet there was always this curiosity about learning what wasn't taught to me or wasn't um, there for me. So that really led me into, you know, I always loved history too. So I was, you know, in my studies, I uh, suddenly I found myself at a, a fire ritual, you know, at the age of 16 that, you know, it felt like I came home. In fact, it felt like I had arrived home because all of these things, you know, that I, I loved the moon. I loved, you know, all the elements. I was a nature kid, barefoot all summer and, you know, really into bugs and collecting all sorts of, you know, just right in it. And my, I was so lucky to be provided with that space of nature every summer. And so that just sparked this early embodiment, I would say, of this feels like home. This feels like what feeds my soul. I'm going to continue to follow this path. And so that led me into, you know, various teacher trainings. And, you know, I found myself in India at a very young age, right out of university or college, where I studied for a year, which led me into, you know, continuing. I became, you know, part of this group called Sisters of the Shields, which was this, you know, very beautiful kind of old school pre-internet. This was pre-internet, you know, where I'd receive once a month, you know, a letter in the mail with all of the practices for that month, for that full moon, for that, you know, so that was my early teaching. And then, you know, I've always been a teacher. I come from a long line of teachers. So I actually have a degree in education as well. And, you know, when then went on to study dance and, and shamanism. And so all of these practices, and I'm such a big believer in this, is that no time is lost in that all the work that we do will serve us in the next steps on our journey. And so when this download came for me to write this book, which I didn't actually plan on doing. So it came for, for like, it came through a very strong flash, like, oh, it's time now to put something onto paper, whatever you can do. And so then I started to realize that all of these channels that, you know, I've followed in the paths that I've studied really do come together in a, a whole unit to then weave, you know, a daily life as a ceremony, as a learning process, as a beginner, as a, as a, you know, seeing through the eyes of a child or through the eyes of an elder. And so that's, you know, that's really what I wanted to share on that. I love that. And I, I was so struck by you know, my own experience has also been one of exploring many paths. And it wasn't a matter of finding the quote unquote right path, but it was all these different pieces that came together to form the practices that make me feel whole. And it's not the exact same every single day. Sometimes I need a little bit more meditation and, or a little bit more yoga, or maybe I need to just go sit outside but it's, it's some of these different elements being woven together. And so as I was reading your book, I just was so enamored by the fact that I was like, oh, look, like it felt almost like a validation in a way of I experience exactly what you're asking us to do, which is this really unique weaving together of practices. I really enjoyed reading your book. Thank you. And I thank you for saying what you just said about resonating with the process. Yeah. And so you, you use the elements as your guidepost in this book in a way, or your framework, maybe I should say. 
And I, I'm interested to hear about what it was that made you choose the elements and, and how you work with them. Mm-hmm. As I was you know, structuring the book and for your listeners, and also I wanted to share that this, the bones of this book came through an online course that I taught for four or five years prior to writing the book. So this was the structure also of the online course. And we know as teachers and creators, having these these guideposts, as you said, or these boundaries to then pour the work into, I feel allows us to embody it a little deeper, gives us a little structure, freedom inside the structure. And so I went for the elements in this way based on the pagan, the Celtic pagan wheel of the year. So starting with the element of air, for example, you know, as the first chapter that's in the direction of the east, that's, you know, the spring equinox. And then it, it moves down to fire, which is summer solstice, the, you know, the direction of the south, which moves to the direction of the west, which is water, fall equinox, moving up into earth, chapter four, earth medicine, which is, you know, all about winter, winter solstice, in fact, and also honoring our ancestors and the earth uh, as our original ancestor, really. And, and then I move into ether. And so I, I found a way to pour the teachings like I do myself into the elements, because I feel that it's so real. It's so tangible. It's, it's right here for us. We can look outside, even if you live in, you know, New York city in a high rise and you're, you, you can look out the window and you can, you know, connect to the element of air. You can, you can see the cloud formations. You can work with the element of air for purification and to shift your state, to clear your mind of the clutter. So like this, you know, and I, I feel that it gives us some really solid teachings to then discover what makes us whole individually. Yeah. So your book, the full title, Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care. Talk to us a little bit about why ritual? Like what is ritual to you? So to me, ritual is anything that's done with intention it's a conscious act as opposed to a habit that is unconscious. So really what I'm unpacking and what I've discovered through doing many, many podcasts and many interviews around this book, which is fascinating to me because we learn so much after also, right? After the process is that, you know, I think our culture is craving ritual. It's craving deeper meaning. So, you know, in our highly you know, technological world, I'm asking us to pause, to interrupt the distraction and to ritualize a moment, be it one minute, be it a full moon ceremony, but be it, you know, waking up in the morning and lighting a candle. That and calling forward three gratitudes. It's as simple as that to elaborate rituals that can be organized. So I feel that when we work this way consciously, of course, we're being mindful, we're being present, and we're tuning into the present moment. We may receive a message in that present moment that we would not otherwise receive, which could greatly impact not only our day, the people's, the, the, you know, our families, our relationships, their day, and really our life, essentially. I, before we go any further, I want to jump back to a conversation we were having right before I hit record which is to highlight the fact that you're a mom, I'm a mom, we are raising children right now. And I think that it is really easy to hear the word ritual and be in the middle of your messy, chaotic life and think, well, that sounds lovely, 
And your book, you do a really beautiful job, not only of offering a lot of simple practices, but also talking about the importance of weaving this into everyday life. The book is not, your teaching is not saying, and now is a time for a three-month retreat in the mountains, right? These are practices to be invited in, in the midst of life. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what that looks like exploring ritual in the middle of life, whether that's with kids or jobs or travel, what is that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it really also comes down to a vibration or a frequency. That's what I've discovered over the years. So it could be that you've missed your flight. You're with, you know, you're at the airport, your flights just got canceled. You don't have anywhere to stay that night. The flights have been rebooked for the next morning. This is an experience I just had two days ago. And instead of it being this chaotic, really like doom, gloom, stressful situation, it's like, okay, what can we do in this moment? And where's the, what high road can we take? You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, and then your children receive that, your people receive that. You look for the, the gold in the moment, which is the letting go. So ritual is a lot about letting go because you're letting go of the other and you're entering into the present. So instead of blaming, you know, all the stuff that happened, it's like, no, okay, let's like, we're kind of problem solving in the moment right here. And I think that's ritual is like present moment awareness. And then guess what? That kind of frequency comes to us. So then all of a sudden you're meeting good people that are going to support you along the way. Things are going to line up and you're going to work with what you have instead of what you don't have. And I think that's also, I think the core, the, the center of the compass for me over the years has been that, you know, life will throw us curveballs. Life will bring us dramas and traumas and, and loss and grief. And yes, and where is the steady in our day that keeps us on the path? For me, it is waking up in the morning, being quiet, no phone, lighting a candle and sitting. And sometimes, like you said, it's a longer meditation with kids, sometimes it's very short, light the candle, call your gratitudes, then you have to blow out the candle, but you're still doing it. You're still staying in the work. And so when you're, you know, in that moment, you have a work deadline and you're, you know, or there's just so much going on. It's like, where's the whiz, where's the inner wisdom that we all have access to that you can pull into your center and go, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to look outside or I'm going to look at the beautiful bouquet of flowers before me, something that grounds us, drink a tall glass of water and remember that, no, I got this and I'm going to return to my own inner wisdom and I will receive a message in terms of guiding me to the next step. You offer, uh, I believe it's five steps for a ritual, very simple. And it, it good, you know, as you were saying, describing that the way you think of ritual is something that is done with intention. It made me think about, oh, that's why those steps are so simple, right? And that's why it works no matter how busy or chaotic or messy the day is, because it's not, it doesn't have to be, I guess I should say, a really elaborate two-hour process to have a moment of intention. Maybe you could talk us through some of the steps. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, let's see if I, I'm not sure if I have it right here, but you know, these steps are really, and I encourage everyone in this reading this book is that these steps are here and it's also yours to create. And so 
I love, you know, making my own steps along the way. Here's it is five steps to begin a daily ritual. So step number one is to set a simple intention. And this is something I teach my children too, is that what are you opening to today? I ask that that's just such a great question for me personally. It really helps me, supports me in the work. And so already I'm attaching to a frequency of spaciousness. So step one, what are you opening to? And step two, start with a simple assignment, one small step. What would help you to open to what you, you know, what, what are you opening to? So I say in the book, you know, step two, call for three gratitudes. And step three, use a power symbol to inspire you. I love this because, you know, I go through various, a power symbol could be something from nature. It could be a deity. I'm going to show you right here. I have my, you know, here's a Kuan Yin, a little tiny Kuan Yin, you know, calling forward that innate wisdom. Here's a, an Anamite, you know, so this is what I have on my desk all the time. And I also, if you can see, I'm sitting on the floor. I sit on the floor to do all my work, <laughs> the ground dweller. So step three, calling forward that power symbol. This is, you know, the spiral of life, the Ammonite, which is, you know, reminding me that sometimes I need to go in to the center, which is, you know, the center of, of who I, who I am, or, you know, that very quiet space. And sometimes I'm moving out into that expansion and to remind myself to, you know, to move through both all the time. And step four is to, to honor the process of the ritual and to commit to, to that. So that's like, do it every morning, find a time that works for you, or maybe it's evening for you. And, and step five is to release the outcome. This is something that I repeat a lot in the book. You know, it's all throughout the book, set your intention, release the outcome. When we do that, when we set the intention for anything, we again, give ourselves some nice boundaries. We give ourselves a nice clear energy to work with. When we release the outcome, we get really spacious and understand that sometimes another outcome needs to come through. And that is also the universe holding us in our divine timing, in our divine nature, in our divine wisdom. When we get attached to a specific outcome, and we all experience this in meditation, right? Oh, I just want to clear my mind. Oh, I just want to be peaceful. I just don't, I just don't <laughs> want to have all those thoughts rolling through me. And we, we must release that. So the thought comes, let it go. The thought comes, come back to the breath. And so those are, yeah, five little simple steps to, to work with. I love that. You know, this is maybe a silly example, but I noticed very early in the pandemic 2020 that every night after I got the kids in bed and was kind of winding down, I would step out on the back deck for maybe two minutes, right? And I would look up and I would take a breath and something about that made me feel better. And then I would come in and shut the house down and go to bed. And along the way, I noticed, oh, I'm like, actually, I'm doing this very consistently. And it's, it feels like it is important. And so let me be more intentional about this thing that I'm doing. And I started sort of calling it a practice. I would step outside, I would consciously breathe. And it became you know, ritual is maybe not a word that I use in my lexicon a ton, just in my own personal life. But in conversation with you, I'm like, this very definitely feels like a ritual for me. And again, I'm going to highlight how short and simple of a ritual this is. There's no fanfare to it. And yet it's possibly the most magical thing I do in my day is to go stand outside when it is dark and stare at the sky for however long that is, a minute to three. And then I come inside and there's something about that connection that feels incredibly important 
incredibly insightful. And I don't even know that I would be able to eloquently describe what insight I'm getting from that, but I definitely know if I don't do it. Right. Exactly. I'm so glad you brought up that example, Meryl, because I, I think this is it. You've got to lean into what you naturally are, you know, attracted to lean into what naturally feels good and then become more conscious in it. And that, if you did not do that every night, especially during those pre those early pandemic days, the frequency inside of you would have been completely different. And this is why it's so important. You, you recalibrated every night and you did it in a way that was very free. I feel you did it in a way that you followed your gut instincts. And therefore it wasn't like, I have to do this. I must do that. I should do this. And you know, all the emotions that come with, Oh, I didn't meditate today. And now I've feel bad or guilty, or I didn't get my practice in now. So you naturally just follow that, you know, gravitational pull. And then you, you recalibrated and you were able to re redo the next, you were able to parent again the next day. You were able to show up again the next day. And these are these micro rituals. I call it soul care mm. as opposed to self-care because I feel so in soul care, we are more self-guided that that's what I've just noticed. I've what I've observed through my own practices over the years. And it's very liberating. In fact, to do that. There is absolutely a sense of personal power. I think that comes from saying, this is the thing that works for me and I'm going to name it a practice and make it something that feels rich and important and deep in my life. And it doesn't actually matter that nobody said to me, here is this teaching that I'm handing down to you now. Uh, I think there's something really interesting in that. So your book has unbelievable practices and they vary. It's not necessarily, this is the meditation you're going to sit down and do because we're working with the element of air now right there. I've noticed that there are journal prompts, there's movement inquiries, there's breath work. What practices are really speaking to you right now? Where, where are you playing? Mm -hmm. I'm playing mostly in nature right now because we're having this incredible summer. And I mean, I always play in nature and then spring to summer really lights me up with, you know, outdoor practices walking barefoot as much as I can. I have a very special tree that I visit um, on a daily basis. And I have a dog, I have a puppy now. So while well, she's one, so that has also, I've followed that. And on that trail that I take her is this incredible mama maple tree. Mm. And this tree I have developed a relationship with, and I hug her and I put my hand on her and I lean against her and my dog also knows, oh, we're at the tree now. And she gets all like happy, does her happy wag dance, you know, at the tree. And what it's done is it's, it's become an anchor. And so whatever, you know, lights you up. And right now I'm starting to get really back into my yoga practice again, where I um, feel that it's kind of evolved into a, a different state. I'm teaching less, so I must get on my mat more on my own. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that feels really good. Um, just movement and tree hugging, essentially. I love that. It's my favorite <laughs> practice. My daughter's name is Maple. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. We love maple trees. Oh, I totally can wonderful. imagine the connection. Oh, and this tree, you know, it's not like she's in a way, you know, cause I just, I say a little prayer and a blessing and I speak out loud to her and, 
And then, you know, I ask that question right there often, what am I evolving into today? Or what am I opening to today? And, you know, I'm deep in the writing process. So, you know, the writer's den has called me, Meryl, and <laughs> it is strong. And so I've been writing a lot since I finished this book. I'm continuing to write kind of as, you know, probably half time of my work. And so sometimes I have questions that I bring to the tree. And it's not that she's speaking to me through that, but I'm looking up and I'm receiving and I'm getting a glimmer of insight and inspiration. And I always leave with, it's like a feeling inside me that has shifted. So it's like I've, you know, my nervous system has gone in sync with the, somehow like there's a, a palpable shift. And so like you go outside in the evening and I'm like sitting with this tree. If we're not doing this, then what's our nervous system doing? It's not getting a chance to, to co-regulate, in fact, with the elements. And I think it leaves us in a place where we might miss the fact that actually we know, right? That inner wisdom that so many of us teachers talk about is a real thing, not just for the magical teacher sitting on a podium, but for every single person. And it takes, you know, I am, I talk about this often when I teach, I am a rabid thinker, planner, type A list maker, and I, my gut reaction to anything that feels vaguely mystical is like a, I don't know about that. I have a, a gut doubt. Mm -hmm. And then I get to say, well, 15 years into practice, I've had enough of these experiences to say that gut reaction is wrong. There's something there. And all it takes is being willing to listen, right? Yes. But we have to be still long enough to be able to yes. hear. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. I love that story because <laughs> you're kind of recalibrating your gut too. Yeah. And it's, that is, and it's still, even today, it's so funny. I was just listening to a podcast. Somebody was talking about something and I could feel that I was being like, no, nope. And I had to go, wait a minute. How many of these experiences have you had on your own time? You can't write it off, right? We sit and we listen and we see what's true for us. Exactly. What's true in this moment right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're deep in the writer's den. Yes. You know, one of the things I really love is there are these, you, you can tell me what you call them. Some of them feel like prayers. Some of them feel almost like poems or little prose, but they're incantations or wishes or intentions for the reader. And I really love my, the one that I have just been revisiting. I'm going to call it a prayer or an invitation uh, on page 41. Do you want to read that one? Do you have your oh, book with you? Yeah, I do. Okay. Oh, and I look at my pens open to page 42. That's funny. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're right here. Okay. And I like that you also called them incantations. That's really nice. Okay. So this is on page 41. Be the huntress of the sacred. Gather wood, carry water, plant seeds, weave to remember. Mystery occurs quietly in small hidden worlds. Light your fires and like a whole new world ready to emerge, step into the unknown and love like you have never loved before. I love this invitation. And to me, 
when I read that, what I feel is both something that feels mystical and magical and deep, and yet so grounded in the simplicity of the earth, carry water, plant seeds. And what compels me is the way that you weave together magic and mundane, right? So talk to us a little bit about weaving this sense of our own inner mystic into our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Good question. I feel that the modern mystic in a way, or, you know, us on this planet right now with all of this stuff going on, it's a very complex world. What can we do to be good people? To me, that's the mystic. What can we do to be good people? What can we do to be good ancestors? What can we do to pay the goodness forward, to pass it on, to be in, you know, a constant collaboration with the earth and her needs right now? And so I feel that, you know, we can, we can ask that question of ourselves also daily as an anchor and you call it what you want, mystical, yogic, shamanic, being human being present, being here, but to lean into what lights you up and to put it out there unapologetically in the world. And let us not confuse. Also, this is um, something I was thinking about on my morning walk. Also, when I hugged my tree with my dog, <laughs> you know, we come back to that. What is true for you in the moment? What is true? Such an anchor point for us as humans, I believe on the planet right now. And then this, this is something I want to bring forward, which is inquiry, which I think can help me in my life, be a parent, be a, you know, be in relationship with my husband, be, you know, in the writer's den, to not confuse my point of view with the truth necessarily. And also to, to know, okay, that's my point of view. Um, this is what I know to be true in the moment, but that truth is different to someone else. And so let that bring compassion into our existence and let compassion be a living ritual in the fabric of our daily life. You just said, I think maybe the most important thing and tell me if I paraphrase incorrectly, but what I hear is that these practices are not invitations to uh, I'll use the the in phrase right now to spiritually bypass what's happening in the world, right? They're very much a part of our experience of what's happening in the world and how we engage in those moments. Yes. 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 Yeah. Because here we are, here we are. And how can we be in the here we are individually, collectively and to to see what we, what we can, to see what is working, you know, to not always dwell on what isn't working, to see, to see ourselves for who we are, not for who we are not. And to gather all the amazing teachings and the joy and the beauty and, you know, where we've evolved into, in a, you know, on our uh, human consciousness level and there's there can be incredible hope and faith, I believe, when we imbue that energy of joy and potential on a daily basis. Mm. Beautifully said. Thank you. 
So Mara, would you perhaps lead us through a little practice that we might try as we're listening? Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll lead it and I'll, I'll close my eyes as I'm reading it and, and everyone um, listening can choose as they do. So it'll be about two minutes. And really, I'd like to bring forward the intention that the work of ritual is also how we can state change. So we can move from one state or one vibration to another, and it can happen as quickly as, you know, in two minutes. So I invite you to find a comfortable seat and to relax your body. And, you know, if you can, so if you're not driving when you're listening to this, place uh, one hand, I'd say the left hand over your heart and the right hand to the center of your body around your navel area. Go ahead and take a nice full deep breath in and a full deep breath out. And bring your awareness to the base of your spine, right at your tailbone, pubic bone, down through the legs, in through the soles of the feet. And welcome in connecting to the element of earth. She is Mother Earth, abundant, resilient beyond measure, wildly resourceful. An ecosystem of pure energy. Let your whole body ground into the element of Earth and also be held by the element of Earth at this time so that you are a part of her and she is a part of you. And take another deep breath in and a deep breath out and bring your awareness to your lower abdominal area, low back area, welcoming in the element of water to stay fluid, hydrated, to practice how we let go and how we begin again. Water is the gateway to our creative self. Let yourself be nourished by the element of water. And now bringing your awareness up to your solar plexus, both front and back body, welcoming in the element of fire, like the sun or perhaps fire burning before you, within you, or the flame of the candle. Just visualize that, some sort of colors of the fire right up your solar plexus. And breathe into that. And fire is the teacher of transformation or transfiguration. Shape-shifting. What is there, one thing that you can let go of right now that's a ruminating thought or a feeling or a vibration within you that you know does not serve you? Throw it into the fire. Let it go, let it come out of you. There's a fire before you, give it to the fire. And then breathe into, you know, what are you opening to today? What are you evolving into today? Let that come into the fire today. And then bring your awareness up to your heart area, your lungs, your shoulders, your hands, all part of the heart center. Feel into what's there today. 
This is the element of air, spaciousness. You may even visualize a, a winged friend, a bird in flight, perhaps visualizing your own wings today. What would they look like? And the element of air is the teacher of purification and also seeing from another perspective, the seer inside, the inner seer, welcome that in. And go now into the center of your mind and welcoming in the mystical element of ether, the element that is most unknown and perhaps also known as the spiritual element. Bring that right into the center of the mind, the consciousness in the mind. And just let yourself be spacious in the center of the mind and welcoming in truth and beauty, welcoming in a frequency that allows you to carry on in good faith, in good will, as a, as a good human on this planet right now. Breathe that all in. And breathe it all out. And we'll seal in the three gratitudes, calling forward three gratitudes. What are you grateful for today? When you call forward each gratitude, visualize it before you or within you without making meaning of what it is or why you chose it, just visualize it. Let it be, build a frequency within you. And it's a very curious place to, you know, naturally follow the gratitude path and let it expand. And then as you're ready, simply release and open your eyes. And that's a little recalibration for us. My first gratitude was for this conversation. In all honesty, I'm not being cheesy. Thank you for that. Thank you. This was lovely. Yeah. Thank you for not just the conversation, but for the gift of the practices that you share in your book and the way that you weave these offerings into something that feels very, very accessible to all of us, to all of us. Um, so if listeners want to learn more about you, find your book, find what your other offerings, tell us where we can find you. Sure. So the book has its own site, uh, ritualasremedy.com. And you can find out all about the book there. And it leads to my personal site, which is my name, marabranscombe.com. Also on social media, you can receive the teachings. I have a weekly or monthly rather, only once a month full moon <laughs> newsletter that comes out to, to share upcoming retreats and practices. And I have one exciting thing that's happening this fall, which is a book club. And it's I'm bending the book club you know, format and it's eight Sundays of movement, breath, and one chapter a week of the books. So we're going to unload. Yeah, you, you should come. It's going to be wonderful. I'd love for you to be there. That um, sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm going to announce it this week. So it's in the works and we're just, team is formatting it and it's exciting. So when does that begin? That begins uh, 
the first week of October. So I always love to give September, right? You know, we give September its its way because, you know, we're all trying to find our way in September and then we're into it in October. Yeah, That is beautiful and perfect timing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mara, I appreciate it. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Be well. Be well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find the show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.